Amen. Interesting, uh, <clears throat> that last song, just yesterday I was looking, and you know how sometimes you read, and, uh, and then sometimes all of a sudden there's just a light that opens up, and something you read, you see something deeper in it. And, uh, and the story of Lazarus, I, I just was actually not even going there. I just happened to go by there. And I, I was stopped by the words that uh, Jesus said. And Lazarus had been dead those many days, and he, he commands him, and I, I loved it. It was just a boldness. He said, loose him and let him go. And he comes out of the grave. Now, that wasn't the part. I'd read that. I'd heard that. There was something that caught me afterwards, and that was this that it said at that point, people before this, people were coming from all over to see this man called Jesus of what he was doing. But you see, it says they came to see this man called Jesus and to see Lazarus. Because now you had a man that no longer had fear, no longer had shame, and God had called him forth and says they came to also see him. And today, I am going to ask you to, to, I'm going to dare you to make a step to walk through a door of faith and come over on this side that people might be able to look at you and they might absolutely say, have you seen him? Have you seen her? Uh, there's something different about them. There's something that uh, we can't explain. And so today, as we look at the passage, there's going to be a leap of faith I'm going to ask you to take with me. I take this leap often. It's not like I take it once and I'm done. I take it and I do often. Uh, <clears throat> the portion of Scripture we're going to look at today is a familiar portion. If you don't even read the Bible much, you haven't been around a lot of churches a lot, this still will ring in your ears. It's a very, very popular portion of Scripture. Uh, most people look at it and say, wow, that is such a cool thing. And I think it will be cool by the time we're done. But I think there will be some shocks in the middle of it. So if you would look at Romans 8, uh, chapter uh, 8, verse 31. Now remember it says, what then shall we say to these things? Now what are these things if you have not downloaded uh, the message meant it highly? Now a lot of you were here and you heard Nick tell his story at a deeper level than what you've ever heard before. And there were a lot of emotions. People were quiet. You could hear a pin drop in here. But it's not that emotions and that deep sensitivity in what he went through that I want you to re-listen to. I want you to re-listen to there was a weaved in his story and weaved in the emotions, there was a truth that I think is liberating, a truth that I think will help set you free, that, that nothing, nothing is wasted in your life the crappiest day of your life, you think, oh my gosh, this was horrible. If I could just not have this, somehow it's not being wasted. Something's happening. And if you know the secret of how to go ahead and embrace that, it will change your life. It will change the way you live, like it changed the way Lazarus lived. People came to see him as well after this had happened. And, uh, and so when God called him, he came out of that grave. And you can too. So if you'll Follow me in Romans 8, starting with verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, 
How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God's the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Jesus Christ is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, also interceding for you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? But just as it is written, for thy name's sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow, what a pregnant passage. A lot of information in there. Uh, I, I want to, before we take off, I want to uh, have you journey with me because a lot of you, when we read that, certain things hit your mind, they pass through your mind, into your heart, and I think you already put into mind what you think they might be saying. And we're going to kind of challenge you on that. Uh, there's three parts that I think are very important. Weaved in there is, what should we say then? If God is for us, who could be against us? And you already think sometimes what that means. God is for you. We're going to challenge that later. Also, again, he that would not uh, basically uh, set aside his son, but he delivered him up to be crucified for you, won't he do all things for you? Won't he do all things for you? And then later on, and because of this, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Boy, does that sound good. Okay. So now I want you to journey with me, and if, if you're like me sometimes, when you hear stories or read Scripture, sometimes the words are just letters of the alphabet, and you read them, and they come, they come across, and the story goes into your head, and you read about the story, and it doesn't really take life for you. But I want to kind of let you kind of uh, walk with me in a little drama, if you would, as we go back 2,000-some years ago, and we're going to kind of take a look at what these disciples and the people that were following Christ were. They were normal people just like you and me. They understood uh, because they were forced to have to hear the Torah, all of the things in the Bible about the Messiah that was to come. There was a promise of this Messiah. The word was kind of mystical. And in their mind, all the things that this Messiah would do. He would be born a virgin. They, they had never even contemplated anything like that. But he, the, all these things about that uh, he would set the captives free and the promises that this Messiah would do. And so here all of a sudden, people are walking around the streets and they're hearing whispers of some guy over here uh, named Jesus of Nazareth. And and the people are saying, could he be the Messiah? And of course, your ears go up. What do you mean? The, is this the, who we've been reading about? So you go ahead and you kind of get some buddies because you're not going alone to this stuff. Okay, you're, you're going to get your buddies and say, I'm not going to be a fool here and hoping this. So you go and you're sitting at a distance and the first thing you see is you're at a wedding and at the wedding, uh, this Jesus of Nazareth, uh, he takes these barrels of water and he turns them into the finest wine that has ever been made. And you're saying, 
did he just do what I thought, thought he did? I cannot believe this. Could it be? Ah. And, and you follow the history of a short period of time there, but you're kind of now walking. You get off work and you get, get your buddies and you race down there and you're going to follow him again. And now you find out that he is, uh, not only has he made water, but some people were starved to death, thousands were starved, and he calls down from heaven and he basically makes food. He turns all of these fish into uh, more fish and more bread and he feeds people. And then people cannot have enough money to pay their taxes and he says go on out and throw in a pool or a net or whatever and pull in a fish and cut it open. He cuts it open there's money inside the fish. Somebody gets sick and he touches them and heals them. Somebody is blind and he touches them and he can see. Somebody can't walk and he touches them and he can walk. Now right now think of what's going through your mind. This now is, is now getting serious. We, if we get sick he heals us. If my kid gets sick, he heals it. If my granddaughter gets sick, he heals her. If somebody's blind, he gives sight. If I'm hungry, he gives us food. If we don't have enough money, he brings down money. He rains manna upon people. And then you got Lazarus that you hear the story of a guy dead that people saw, and he now raised from the dead. And you are absolutely saying, I'm all in. I'm going for this. The Messiah is here. This, this incredible uh, Thing that we read, these promises are true, and it's in our day and our age. We're seeing this, and you're getting ready. You're gathering all the people to this, and then something weird happens. Something weird happens. And what takes place? He says, okay, now I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to die. And I'm going to hang on a cross. And you're just, you're, you're wondering, what in the world did he just say? Wait, 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 no way. This is the Messiah. Is this not the Messiah? What do you mean he's going to die? This which was unbelievable news has now turned into just unbelievable despair. And so what do they do? They turn their heads down, walking together. I thought it was it. He's going to now die. And they're walking away. This good news was not so good to them. This is happening right here, right now. We read a story here about if God be for us, who can be against us? And I think sometimes we get this think, uh, thinking that we get in this world that if you're going to come to Christ and Christ's going to come, that everything is now going to be okay. It's like, wow, this is going to be good. He'll, he'll go ahead and move my boss to give me raises, and, uh, and he'll make my wife be happy with me, and, and my kids will not get sick, and, and all these different things. Boy, have we fallen for something. So right now, I am going to let you know what that does not mean. By the author that wrote it, by the author that wrote it, I think you ought to read a little bit of his life. I've had more labors than anyone, far more imprisonments than anybody, beaten times without number, often in danger of death, five times received 30 lashes to the point of death, beaten with rods, stoned three times, shipwrecked in the night, spent the deep, in the deep, dangers with rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from friends, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, 
dangers from wild animals, dangers from false liars and brethren. I've been through sleepless nights, anxiety, hunger, thirst, without food, exposure, da, 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 da. Here you're starting to say, this is the guy that just told us that if God's for us, who can be against us? And then he goes on in Hebrews 11 and he tells you about the people of faith and he's saying, these people are people that, you are, matter of fact, to whisper their names is almost a shame for you. We don't deserve to be in their presence. They were sawed in half. They were stoned. They were cut by swords. They were in terrible distress in peril. This is God for us? This is this incredible, uh, he, he will give us anything we ask? Here's the bad news, disciples. It's not what you think. It's not what you think. And I want you to be aware of this because we are going to take this and you have to acknowledge what you're thinking because I'll be honest with you, having God as my God and God living inside me, when I pray for even my little grandson, if he falls down, I want him to not get hurt. I want God to protect him. I pray for those things. And I am not saying God doesn't do things. In the Psalms, he says, I looked at the people and I laughed. Because I sit in the heaven and I do whatever I want to do and whenever I want to do it. And David after that says, and you know what? Your loving kindness is everlasting. It's everlasting. Love goes before you. (coughs) So I'm going to ask you to at least acknowledge sometimes we think that God's force means things are going to go well. How did they go for Paul? How did they go for all of the women and men of faith? And we can go on through all the disciples. Guys, it's not that. Our world is trying to tell you if you'll just come to Christ, things are going to just be good. Things are going to be wonderful. I about said the wrong word there. (laughs) It isn't going to be that way. But I want you to know something. This passage of Scripture can become the most incredible, beautiful passage if you will cross through this door of faith. You and I were placed on this planet and this is not your home. This is not your country. It says these people endured these things because they knew they had a country somewhere else. When Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world, those people that I have ever met and those people that I have seen that began to cross through this door and eyes began to see through eternal eyes, they began to walk through this into an incredible thing where this passage of nothing, neither death nor life nor angels or principalities or powers or height or depth or anything could separate you from love. They get it and they live with this extraordinary joy that people cannot explain. This is what Lazarus did. Something happened to Lazarus when he said, loose him and let him go, and he came forth. This man knew for the first time in his life, never would shame be held against him. No condemnation ever against him. And you might be saying to me, you have no idea what I've done last night or what I've done in the past. You have no idea. Well, I'll tell you what, you have no idea what you're going to do in the future. And he said it doesn't make any difference. 
You think what the past is, I've washed it clean. This love I have for you is beyond anything you will imagine. Matter of fact, 1 John, John says, what manner of love God has bestowed upon us that we should be called sons and daughters of God. You know the word manner there, the manner of love, was a word never heard before. It was a word that says this is foreign love. It's taken from a word called a race, a tribe, a nation, that nobody has found a nation or a tribe like this. Literally, we would say this is from another planet. And I have news for you. I don't want to pop your bubble, but nobody in here knows how to love like this. Nobody. You might think you're okay, and I'll tell you this. You love conditionally whether you want to admit it or not. And when somebody doesn't do what you want them to do, your love starts to pull away. And you might say, oh, no, it doesn't. Oh, yes, it does. Just give enough time. It will. This was a love that was unconditional. When Peter fell and Peter failed and God came before him, never pointed out a sin again, and I'm sure Peter was thinking, do you know I, what I did to you? I did do, I betrayed you. The cock did crow, and I did betray you. And Jesus says, you have no idea what you're going to do to me. And I wiped it clean. This love is foreign. This love is something you can't comprehend. But before we enter into that love and embrace that love and let it do to us what God designed it to do, we have to go ahead and lay down this false belief system that somehow you and I are going to get what we want in this planet, in this earth, and we're going to avoid kind of junk. It's not going to happen. You're going to get sick. Everybody in here, listen, you're going to get sick and you're going to die. And if you don't get sick, you're going to get an accident and you're going to die. But you will die. And you will have pains, and you'll have sorrows, and you'll have distresses, and you will have all kinds of stuff. That's not what it means, God, before us. It means something different. It means something different. I'm going to give you a really terribly weak example. Those of you that are old enough to remember the Rocky movies, and uh, if you haven't, you might want to watch. Well, watch Rocky Three. Rocky III, uh, uh, you'll see in Rocky III that he gets in a fight with Clubber Lane. And he gets the snot beat out of him. And this guy, just whoever he fights, he just wipes out. And here's Rocky, and, uh, and something's happening to Rocky. He's frightened to death, and he's scared, but you, you just see it from a distance. And his wife can see it, and Adrian sees it. And so Adrian's challenging him, and he finally, I like, get off my back. He says, all right, Adrian. I'm scared. I'm scared. And he was frightened to death, and he was fearful to death. But you see in the middle of the match, some way in the middle of the match, he's in there, and it's like, oh, he's going to be annihilated. And something happens to him. He finds out in a, in a little way there's nothing to fear. There's nothing to fear. He gets hit, and it knocks him back, and he gets hit, and it knocks him back, and he realizes, he can't hurt me. And then we go, you ain't so bad. You ain't so bad. And he pushes him, and he realizes that, you know what? There's nothing to fear. You can't hurt me. And you saw a total change in Rocky. Now, that's weak, okay? But this is the point Paul is making. 
If God is for you, and you understand what we've been saying and what Nick shared last week about this, and that God's preparing for you, not wasting one circumstance in your life, that he's not preparing for you something. If you cross through this door into this other world planet, and you begin to look at these things through the eyes of God and through this kind of love, you ain't so bad. Satan, go for it, because you can't hurt me. Remember Paul says, don't fear him that can basically hurt you because nobody can, but only him that can take your soul. Well, guess what? My soul's been bought. It's owned, and if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you have said, okay, I'll finally say yes to you. I don't understand all this stuff, but I do know this. My way's not working. And if I will, you'll come into my life, then you also can be in a place where you can walk through this door. But I know many people that have come to faith, come to Christ, he lives in their life, and they we're still living over here, hoping for this prosperous life on this planet. Now, God does give blessings, and there's times that he does. Last week, I was driving back, and I stupidly, I stupidly was driving 85 miles an hour, but I've... <laughs> And, and it was very windy, and uh, I went by a semi, and I reached in the back seat to grab something while I was driving, and the semi, uh, I passed him, and so the wind hit me and knocked me up going 80 on two tires. I have not told my wife this. And I put it down, I said, oh, how stupid. And I said, God, in one second, I could have been dead. And I know that you preserve our lives day in and day out. I know no good thing do I have in my life that you didn't give to me. I understand that. And I understand that you can do whatever you want, whenever you want. And if you want to speak to a cold of mine, you can say, you know, basically release him, loose him, and let him go. You can do it. But the majority of us living on this planet, folks, we do not have that. God lets us live life in a fallen world, and if somehow I will embrace that that's a world that I don't, this is not my home here. My eyes aren't fixed here. My eyes, I'm going to walk through a door here, and when I walk through this door, I want to slam it and realize, God, you rule what happens on this planet. You're working everything to good for those that love you or to call according to your purpose. So what happens to me is your business. I do know one day I will wink at God and he will say, wink at me and say, we did everything right. And, and I will say, you did. But at this point, I want to move into the rest of our text. I want to move into this absolutely reckless love that you sang about. It's off the charts. If you can somehow embrace it knowing that, wait a minute, this love isn't about making me all happy here on this planet. And I'll be happy at times, but it is not about that. It is about something and someone different. And when it says, and nothing, no life or death or angels or demons or principalities or powers or anything that happens or distress or famine or nakedness, nothing can separate you from this love of God. Do you miss what it says? which is in Christ Jesus. That means Jesus' name in 1 John, his name is love. He is love. He is agape. And he lives inside this body. And nothing can take him out of here. Nothing. Nothing you do, nothing I do can get rid of him. I don't comprehend that love in my brain 
but something resonates in me that this is what I was made for. I was born to carry this love in this body, that I might be saved. The word saved, we have so warped it. It basically means saved, meaning becoming what you intended to become, made whole again. Put God back in man so that man could house God and people would look at it and see me like they did Lazarus and say, wow, I think I'm seeing God. I'm seeing a portion of God. That's why he said no longer written on tablets of stones anymore, but written on human hearts that you and I might be displayers of this love. Knowing this, this world isn't my home. And no matter what happens today, no matter what kind of pain I have, I will fall to my knees with pain sometimes. But the thing is, it ain't so bad. It's not stopping me because this stuff is going to become whole. There's going to be a day that the, in Proverbs 8, wisdom says that wisdom before man was formed played with God on this earth and played daily before God. The word we translated rejoice is they played, recklessly playing. We were designed for that. We will do that. And it might be on this planet and this earth once it's restored. But if I can go ahead and cross through this door, and, and I'm asking you to, to at least maybe take that step, quit seeking just happiness. It comes and it goes. And have you ever noticed you really don't have much control over it? The moment you think you do, you mess it up. And I'll never forget that door when I at least took the first step into that. And I remember, I, I, I'll never, just like it was yesterday. And I got a call, and my older brother, who had pretty much poured his life into me and shared the gospel with me and shared things, and, and basically I got a call and it said, uh, your brother has killed himself. And my knees could not hold me, I fell. And the pain and the shock and the confusion that hit me that, oh, are we all vulnerable? And through a series of getting up and learning how to somehow sort something out, I passed through a gate. I passed through a doorway. And the doorway entered me into another realm, another kingdom, a kingdom that I was designed to live in, a kingdom that we will have our desires fulfilled. And it was a kingdom that I came to and I have not looked back and to this day I can tell you by fact, I have never asked God to explain himself to me ever again. He doesn't know me an explanation. Whatever happened, happened and that's between him and my brother. But I know this, my God is good all the time He's always good. His loving kindness is everlasting. And in your life, any circumstance you have, I can't explain it. I wished I could. I wish I could tell it. But you know what? Once you pass through the gate and say, you owe me no explanation. Oh, I can ask you about it. I can talk to you, but you owe me nothing. Because you're doing something for me in another kingdom that I am going to somehow reflect your glory, not only on this planet, but I'm going to reflect it for years to come. And that's your business. And when I live here, you guys, nothing wipes me out. That doesn't mean I don't get sad, I don't cry, and if I hear bad news about one of my kids or something like that, it still wipes me, but not to the point where all of a sudden I'm devastated. Because 
Nothing can separate me from this reckless love. It's unbelievable. And what it will do when you enter across there and you start to embrace that, and your eyes and my eyes begin to see things from an eternal perspective, and I begin to say, wow, things make sense because he can't do a thing to us anymore. I have been bought by your blood. You ransomed me and bought me, and you laid down your life and never to hold a thing against me. I don't have to hide this little man inside me. I can basically let that person out, and there's nothing that I can blame this on. And when I enter into that love, I can now become a, a, a reciprocal cycle, a, a, a body, a vehicle for his love now to start producing itself onto other people. And I can promise you, in my experience in life and my experience in talking to thousands and thousands of people is this. If you've been looking for happiness and looking for joy and looking for things to go okay and you found out it really never going to work, you will get what you were looking for when you start becoming a vehicle of love to other people. When you start loving people and watch the love of God produce joy in people's heart and lay down things of your own and die to yourself and come alive to other people, it is amazing that joy all of a sudden, I'm getting what I thought I was going to get over here, but when I entered into a kingdom, it became a container to be filled with God's unbelievable love. It pours out onto other people. You will die to yourself in things you never thought you could die to. You'll come alive to things you never thought you could come alive to. I have two horses <laughs> because I love my wife. <laughs> no, no. And when she dies, they are for sale. Okay? <laughs> and, I, and I think that if you would have told me some of the things that I've done, and I'm not bragging about it because many times I've walked back through that door and I've come over here and I want happy now. And she's not doing it. And you know what? Whenever I get there, I get miserable. I look what I don't have or what somebody else is not doing for me and I am miserable and I want them to change. And I'm saying, do me a favor. Loose them and let them go. Take that off. Walk through this door with me. Today, mark it down in your heart. I'm going in to another world. I'm going to see what God wants to do and is doing in my life. Would you pray with me? Father, this love, I sit here and I try to explain it. It is undescribable. Paul, as you were down here on this planet and you said that you got to see something that no human being could see and there's no words that can explain it. And I know part of it was not just the kingdom you saw, but it was this whole unbelievable power of love. We cannot touch it. But for some reason you have seen fit that you love would dwell inside these bodies and we could somehow get a glimpse of it. We could smell it, we could taste it, and we could let it pour through our veins like fire. I pray that these people today would somehow come to a place of entering into that love and knowing then that nothing, no death, nor life, nor angels, or principalities, or powers, or anything present or things to come can separate us from that love. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.